and the people around you doing. All right. So the chicken is super important. It's super important for you. It's super important for them. This is where you say, well, in this, we're feeling it. And this is where you say, I've got you back. And by your side, it's strength to strength, and I will lend you my strength. Carry each other to the line. This is Intelligent Rebellion. Howdy, 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 and welcome to Season 2 of the Intelligent Rebellion Podcast. My name is Rhea Mikado, and I am the host. In this episode, this very first episode of Season 2, I speak with Brooke Archibald and Jane Gallard, who are the dynamic duo heading the team at 155 Health and Fitness. During the COVID lockdowns, Brooke and Jane would jump onto Facebook and send messages of love and support and really cool, quirky posts to their tribe, whilst also chronicling their own COVID lockdown journeys. So I was really eager to speak with them about what it was like for them during this time, what was going through their minds, and how they were able to hold their tribe together from a distance. Along the way, we do get a little bit rowdy, and you'll also hear some banging and clanging and grunting in the background because we did record this at the center, just on the other side of the weightlifting platform. So let's get to it. Introducing Brooke Archibald and Jane Gallard. Hello, Brooke. Hello, Jane. Um, Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me here in your beautiful office. Um, I think to start, I met you at a bar (laughs) drinking mocktails. (laughs) How would you introduce yourself to me? Well, um, I'm Brooke. Um, I guess... I know, I guess I started my fitness journey um, with my sport, karate, um, back when I was eight. Um, gained my black belt a couple of years later and then won two world titles in Japan after that. No. Um, it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great So that's me. That's, I think, where everything, everything about me sort of started in terms of my journey with fitness. Um, and yeah, and then, you know, I went to uni, become a PE teacher, didn't like it. Came back to fitness because everybody is in fitness because they choose to be in fitness, whereas at school they kind of have to be there. Um, And then, yeah, my passion for helping people just grew from there, from personal training, um, group fitness, managing the club, now getting the most out of my team and, yeah, just climbed that ladder and here we are today. So you could totally, don't meet you in a dark alley. I'm glad I met you at the pub and not in the alley behind the pub. (laughs) Jane, do you want to give yourself a bit of a, an intro, a bit of a wrap? Yeah, so, I, so I'm Jane. Um, I haven't always been in the fitness industry. So my, um, I've sort of um, came into this in this stage um, when I was just before 40 um, years old. So, um, but my background is, I always say, I haven't always worn sneakers to work. <laughs> I have had a corporate career and I've done all sorts of um, different things like that. I have my own business, but I um, yeah, worked very much in um, completely different to fitness. So I was a technical writer by trade. So I used to um, write online help and write user manuals and guides and work with engineers and, and IT pe- people and work in the banking sector and, yeah, um, very high security banking sector. So, yeah. and I used to travel overseas for that. So, very different to wearing sneakers to work. That's Ten minutes down the road. <laughs> yeah. See, this is the mm. best part. Is I yeah. was like, 
You can kick my ass. <laughs> and if I, can, if I need, like if a need to be the right something, I can come about it. You're the one that I'm going I'm to one, go I'm to. the words person. That's why we work so well together, right? Right, right. Yeah, you're the processor. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you know, whatever. <laughs> but um, I did have, I did start, so when I was at university getting my degree, um, fell into teaching classes. Back, back then you were an aerobics instructor. Mm -hmm. And back then it was the very embarrassing, you know, we used to wear the G-strings on the outside of your pants, so aerobics <laughs> old style kind of stuff. So I look back now and I'm just, what were we thinking? Like, but I was, I was in my late teens and sort of early 20s and yeah. getting my degree. So I dabbled in it then, thought I would sort of do it forever, but it was very different. It was no Les Mills back then. It was very, you had to choreograph your own stuff. and. Yeah, it's a small—it's a small world because um, one of my good friends, James, who I also interviewed for the podcast, he actually worked with Les Mills before Les Mills was Les Mills, and right. he was doing the tight tights and the oh, grapevining. And that's exactly right. Hey, yeah. So, yeah, I, I dabbled in it then, but but jumped back out in corporate, had a family, and then sort of came back in and fell back into it again, which is my journey here, so yeah. I'm interested by that because your, you know, Brooke, your traditional healthcare journey, you know, did sport as a kid, yeah. grew up, kind of liked it, which is, I'm always intrigued about people who go, like, what made I you changed. say, fuck you, corporate, like, was that, was that a moment? So my corporate was, um, I stepped out of that when I had my family. So um, when my, um, I did some contract work when my boys were young. And then when they were, so I stepped back out to be mum at home and, and did sort of stuff at home. So yeah. that, that was why I did that. And then I had my own business while they were sort of through school. So I was very flexible and available yeah. and um, came here as a member. That's how I started here. And I was, we we're just talking about this before, actually. I started as a member, but I hid in the back corner of that room because I was, um, I was 25 kilos heavier than I am now. And I'd had some, we'd had really hard stuff happen to us. And I always use this line, I was saying to Brooke, I was in a really low place, really different to who I am today, but I remember saying to my husband, I need to either go on antidepressants or I need to get back into exercise, mm -hmm. I need to do something. So I chose exercise and that's how I stepped in here and I used to hide and that's why I connect, I see the people in the back row because I stood and I point up because that's where I, I it was Studio One in the back corner. Mm -hmm. I used to hide in that corner because I was behind the weights against the glass and I couldn't see myself in the mirror. I used to wear long sleeve shirts to hide. I used to hide under a hat. And I always say I found myself again in that room. Oh. So yeah, so uh, the weight was incidental, but I found my confidence again. I found my voice again. And, yeah. and it was a, a conversation with the then group fitness manager who said to me, have you ever thought about instructing? And I said, fun fact, I used to do this <laughs> yeah. back when I was, you know, 18 and 19. Right, <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. And, um, and then sort of that sort of started the journey into doing this and was an instructor and then kind of came into this role and so that that's how I came into it it yeah. was sort of just more of a process and a journey and I remember saying to her it was Michelle and I said to her I'm too old I'm you know about to turn 40 she said no no and that's yeah that's my journey. and the rest is history yeah, yeah. I want to know a bit more about you're a world champion karate <laughs> <Yes>. yeah <laughs> what's like the sickest move that you can do Back then or now, <laughs> 10 years later? Well, well, let's go back to your heyday. <laughs> um, I think well, my most powerful move was from the leg, so it was always a sidekick. Yeah. It was always a reactive move and it was always a very powerful move and probably my signature move. What yeah. attracted you to karate? I mean, you could have chosen any sport. Why karate? Um, <sighs> my dad. My dad was, yeah, 
we only ever did one sport as kids and that was karate for me and my sisters, I got two younger sisters as well and they got into it as well but they didn't compete, they weren't as into it and I loved it, um, did very well at it um, and then I just kept rolling with it. Do you still do it now? Um, I gave up when I was 23 because I dislocated my hip and I didn't want a um, hip replacement at 24. So I gave, I did give that up. I did do a bit of coaching around it, but karate was always for me and then stopped being about me. So yeah. then I moved, moved away from it, yeah. yeah. You know, obviously this podcast is called Intelligent Rebellion and someone asked, well, what does that mean? I'm like, being intelligently rebellious. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I think the question I have for both of you and whoever wants to go first is, what has been your most recent personal rebellion? It could be work or family or anything else. Like when have you been, what have you done that was a little bit naughty recently? I wouldn't, uh, for me, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's being naughty, but I guess it's conforming from the norm, I guess, being a stay at home mum. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, you know, my dad, my mum stayed at home with us when we were kids and when I, you know, gave birth to my daughter Lucy, it was very much, oh, you should stay at home, you need to be at home, you know, working full time, it's not going to work, you're not going to be able to fit it in. Mm-hmm. I guess rebelling against that um, and then having a third kid <laughs> and still working full time <laughs> and teaching, I think, has been most recently, yeah, my biggest rebellion so you're, you're rebellion against like you know what yeah I kind of like my job yeah. and and I want to have a career and yeah. I, like, I don't think I should have to give up myself and my passion oh. I think that helps me be a better mum as well oh, 100% yeah 100% yeah. but you Jane I don't even have a great answer for the I don't even, actually because we were talking about this before and <laughs> I said, I feel like I'm really, I'm a straighty 180, like, you know, like I, I don't kind of break the rules and I'm really like, yeah, so um, I don't even know if it's a rebellious thing, but um, yeah, I, I don't even have a good answer for you there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I reckon. I know. Go, go, go. You tell me. You tell me. What has Jane done recently? Okay, so we say if you're injured, right? You need to care and look after your body and rest. So, Jane, what's what's going on at the moment? Yeah, okay. <laughs> what have you just done? Yeah, that's with right. Injury at the moment. Okay, so my intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> Is this a rebellious thing? So in lockdown, mm-hmm. um, so I'm a trail runner. So I love to run on the trails. I don't love running. I love running on trails. And so running on trails for me is, um, it's natural, it's silence, it's sanctuary. Mm-hmm. It's something away from noise and, you know, um, it's, it's space, I guess is the word. So yeah. that's my, my thing. I do it every week. I'm always up in the mountains running on trails. So Q lockdown. So for the first two weeks, we were st- we were in Greater Sydney. Mm-hmm. So Greater Sydney was still mountain. So I, I was able to run, and I thought it was great. I ran every day for two weeks in the mountains, doing what I love doing. And then we were restricted to our okay. LGAs and our five Ks. Now I live here in Western Sydney, and so we have the M7 concrete cycleway. And so I still needed for my head um, to, to stay sane through it all, to run mm-hmm. and to move. And so I was running every, when I say every single day except two in lockdown, I ran every single day on the concrete. Yeah. I was running, I eventually found the Rooty Hill. So yeah. that was my green space and that was my off concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was running every day. And I hate to say the numbers, but I'm gonna say the numbers. Um, 21 to 25 kilometers 
every single day. A day? So my number <laughs> is, and I, yes, yeah, so I clocked the numbers. Times I ran, 107, 105. Yeah, so it was 2,100 something kilometres is what I covered in lockdown. Halfway to Perth. Yeah. Right. I ran to, was it, um, yeah, I basically ran to Brisbane yeah. and back, <laughs> or whatever the stats are around that. So I ran a lot on concrete, on legs that are used to trails yeah. and ankle stability and all those sorts of, I'd look and I helped, my body was great through it and I felt really good and, um, and I was really surprised that I wasn't breaking and then I broke. I have a, I thought what I have is a shin splint. Mm -hmm. I'm still waiting on, on results, but I, um, possible stress fracture um, it's not stopping me from I can't run and I can't jump in combat so Will can tell you if I'm he'll now watch me <laughs> Will can see he'll notice I'm still teaching but I'm very I get very coachy when I have to jump on this leg or um, I, I'm working around it so members aren't very aware of it because I don't like to make a big deal out of it but I'm and I am really good at listening to my body and I'm really good at looking but realistically so, what should you be doing so I should be um, yeah look so I'm a big also a big I don't know if this is actually but yeah that's right so I would be saying to members rest but the big thing these days is that you don't necessarily have to stop so I'm I'm not stopping I'm not running so I'm doing all the right things but my my um, I'm still able to work through it and work around it and do it intelligently I don't know but my so my rebellion is that you know yeah I ran too much and I know exactly why it's it's it is what it yeah, is. That yeah, that was pretty great. Like that. I mean, I'm thinking like, oh, you. you in my mind, you're up, in my mind, you're going through this. Where I'm like, oh, you know what? You know what she. You know. You know what she did. She's got. Totally not us. <laughs> well, she's gone up the mountain. And, what done. <laughs> and no, so that's how straight you There's no way I would have wow. gone to the mountains. Yeah, because you tell me 5Ks and I, I will, you know, stay in my that's 5Ks. Right. I had a yeah. friend and she was like, I went to the movies by myself. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with us? I need to interview some 22-year-olds. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we, need, we need to move on, on from there. Yeah. And I think you guys have already spoken a little bit about your personal journeys. And I that's... like. It blows my mind because people people just have these when you actually sit down and get to talk to them you're like whoa like you can kick people's asses yeah. and you run 25 k's just for fun on a Friday you know yeah. um, and but I, I think you know going and the reason why I sort of wanted to interview you guys was going sort of through the lockdown as I mentioned before you were like this constant source of support for someone who's very close to me my husband and and not just that to the entire 155 community um and you know you know we, we spoke about how you were often wondering like is anyone even looking at this like are we like all these silly videos of us doing this and you spoke a little bit about how you came to that journey so i think the first question i had for you is was it an intentional decision like when lockdown happened did you, did you all like sit down together and go okay we're going to plan a marketing strategy and we're going to plan like how did it all just not emerge? at all I think, like, like not at yeah. all and that's yeah. what we did it we wanted it to happen organically like yeah. i would go for a run on a sunday when mm. normally i'd be here teaching to the tribe i would be doing rpm and body attacks so yeah. i'd be running i'd be like oh i miss these guys i wonder what they're doing you know are they still training like just my thoughts would go straight to them mm -hmm. and what they're doing you know are they struggling not having that you know that structured you know group fitness class to attend to on a Sunday but this is what you can be doing mm -hmm. instead for now yeah um, 
and yeah, in terms of planning, no, it was just I'd wake up in the morning, oh, I wonder what they're doing, I wonder how they're going. Yeah. And just the thoughts would always turn to these guys, like, you know, we're here six, seven days a week and yeah. I spend more time here with the tribe than what I do with my um, <coughs> husband and family. Like family <laughs> like, you're, you're what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it just... Just we love this place and we love the people and we just wanted to make sure that they were okay through this crazy period of lockdown. The other thing was very just we were very responsive to what we were hearing from the tribe members. So via messaging and and things like that, it was I'm kind of hearing this common thread of feeling, thinking, emotion. I'm going to speak to that, you know, and. I was I remember we had because we spoke a lot on the phone and we were always communicating. I remember saying to Brooke. I'm okay. Whatever you see me sort of talking about, I'm actually doing okay. Like I'm talking to particularly strong emotion. It was me responding to people, you know, um, that, that we were just guided by them and by what we were hearing and feeling and seeing and yeah. And sort of then and assuming along the way to like, okay, so this restriction has just come into place. Let's sort of talk to that. How are they going to be feeling about that? You know, How does this yeah. Play out, mm. Essentially? Mm. Was there a moment where you weren't fuck like I just need to crawl into a hole and disappear um for me for me no like I feel like me 10 years ago without three children to run after and a husband I feel like being cooped up in my apartment at that time for four months absolutely but I just like I was very very busy with my kids um and my routine that I had developed. So yeah, it was hard, like hard times. Like I would run a lot and that was me time. And which is where a lot of my videos and my motivation came from. Um, But then you just get out, you do that, you know, sorry, 10 kilometer run, not 25 (laughs) kilometer run. (laughs) And you come back and you're refreshed and like, you know, you have this newfound energy. You're like, okay, all right, that was a terrible moment. Okay, I reacted with my kids, but now I'm good to go. So, yeah. so it's just about acknowledging where you're at in that point of time and how you respond to that emotion. Yeah. And that's sort of how I got through it, established a routine that worked for myself and the kids. And we smashed out the nearly four months of lockdown, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like yeah. that. See, I, I would say I'm, I'm a little bit different to, to Brooke. I, and I don't have young children keeping me active. So, oh, sorry, can we, so my sons um, are 20 and 22 and yeah. uh, my husband, um, they were able to still work. And so it was very much me at home alone with my thoughts and my emptiness and, you know, empty home and, and that sort of thing. And so getting out for me, I was out early every morning um, to avoid people basically. Um, and sometimes it would be hours that I would be out. That was, that was the rule I broke. Can I, I, if, I bro- if, I broke, if I broke any rule when, when we were restricted Come and arrest to the, her now. Was it, the, was it the one or two hours? What was, was the limit? Like was it one hour? hour, that we're hour. Out? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so I, I thought I can't do that. I can't just oh, well, be out for one hour. That's right. Yeah. So next lockdown. But I figured I'm out at five thirty a.m. No one's sort of said. anyway. Um, so yes, yeah, so that was my routine. Was um, literally getting up um, and and getting out the door and going and um, and then I had the rest of the day to myself so um, I would be on the bike at home sometimes at home in terms of exercise but um, yeah I had my emotions were much more up and down Mm -hmm. probably less so the first lockdown um, I was 
really emotional through that yeah. one. I remember crying on the bike sometimes because oh, it was just so unknown, you know. But this time I felt it was much more controlled. Hey, it was like, okay, we know what to do in a lockdown. We know how to get through this. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, my emotions would, you know, would do this. But that's why, why I head out. That's why I get the fresh air and space to control emotion and and was always trying to flip it always trying mm -hmm. to find perspective because there were many many runs where I was running on that concrete stomping angrily like <laughs> I had the concrete the trucks flying past me they're too noisy and I can't hear my my podcast or whatever I was listening to in my ears and I would yeah I was up and down with my emotions some days were good some days were like I'm just doing this out here but i yeah, I was much more up and down. I think Brooke is much more controlled, I think, than I am um, with emotion. More level-headed. Mm. Yeah. These are our thinking faces. Yeah, it's hard. yeah. yeah. I think mm. so. But, you know, in different areas, I just know I, I just know what I need. Like, yep. yep. Yeah. Brooke's and very good at going, I'm, I'm just going to go and do it. This is what needs to be done, so I'm going to go get it so done. You're going to sort of just lean into it. And, yeah. and I think I talk, I've got some friends who talk about the adaptability quotient and they talk about intel like IQ in being intelligence, um, emotional intelligence, yeah. which you have an abundance of the both of you, mm -hmm. but this adaptability quotient, which they think is also really vital in people and humans being able to just go, oh, this is what we're faced with? Cool. Yep, yep. We'll lean into it hard yeah, and yep. we'll kind of just make it yep. sort of through the whole thing. Yeah. And I, I want to go back to, um, you had, you had a great point with when you said that you rebelled because you're you decided to focus on your career. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna. <laughs> the reason why I wanted to share that is because I'm the same, mm. right? So as you know, Will's a stay-at-home dad, yeah. and I've had my own businesses since I was 21. So he knew what he was marrying into and what he was getting into. And when I had my kids, you know, we've got the two boys. I was literally, I literally popped out a child and was on a case conference in the hospital that same day. Wow, working. that's amazing. And people go, wow, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> amazing or stupid, like, yeah. which way you want to go. Yeah, yeah. But we had that battle. We have almost had the battle of the stereotypical sexes because mm. you can only imagine what Will was facing as a stay-at-home dad and then me facing that, oh, well, what does your husband do? Well, he looks after our kids. Yeah. Like, I can't, I don't want to do that. That's scary to me. <laughs> like, being at work is actually my, my space away. Yeah. So I think going into that particularly, what, what challenges did you find there? And why do you feel, why do you feel that it was such a rebellious thing to do? Was it because of, like, family or friends or just society in general? Like, what were you grappling with? Um, I just think it's... <sighs> I guess my dad, like my dad is a very big driver of what I do and like, you know, so much respect for my dad. He's just an amazing man. And, you know, I think when it was like, Brooke, you just need to be at home. Like you need to, you know, that's your biggest job, looking after your children. And I'm like, yeah, I acknowledge that. Like that's a huge job. But I'm me at, at work as well. And I don't think that I should have to lose that. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to be a terrible mum just because I'm working and you know getting that independence as well like it's just I just think it's unfair that the expectation is the female is supposed to stay at home um, do the cooking do the cleaning yeah. whereas you know my husband and I like 
we're a partnership like yeah. we're teammates mm -hmm. and we make that work together and I you know we mesh so much better with that like it's no oh that's your job or no that's your job yeah. well they're our children you're not babysitting them they're our children yeah. you know we do that job together yeah. and that's just yeah how, how we work I, I'm happy and he's happy mm -hmm. and I think that's what's important the kids see that yeah. so I guess Initially, it was tough because, yeah, you know, it's going to be great being a stay-at-home mum. Like, that's why lockdown was okay for me because I was like, okay, it made me realise, no, I can't be a stay-at-home mum full-time. I can't, I can't. You know, sure, I can get out and go for a run every now and then, mm. but, you know, I need to have some self-worth as well yeah. and use my brain and talk <laughs> to people. Um, and then, you know, I get home and it's just quality time with the kids, mm. not just going through the motions. Mm. And yeah, I've got no regrets with that. So yeah. rebelling against that stereotypical, I just think that, yeah, people sort of think the female stays at home. Yeah. Mm. You're preaching to the choir. For me to be the best mom, the best daughter, the best wife, the best Rhea at work, mm. I need to be able to fulfill my purpose in, in doing that and just because I'm spending time away from my children doesn't mean I love them less. Now you've got two kids, a bit mm. older now, yes. but probably still eating out of your fridge and Absolutely. doing all those yep, things. Yep. Um, you had a business, you decided to go contracting, like mm. talk to me about those, that decision and how you felt with all of that. So I, um, I chose to walk away from um, so, and this is where it's different, you know, and I'm not sure what I would do these days, it would be very different, but I came from, um, I, th I guess it was what I'd seen too. I, I grew up with um, one sister and just my mum, so it was a very female household, and my mum raising us on her own was, um, she stayed at home, and that was, from her generation, that's what you did. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I sort of saw and came from. And so, and because I'd had, it, it was good what we'd had um, and the way she made it work from my perspective as a child, that was, um, it was a positive. It wasn't a negative thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, yeah. and I wanted to be at home. And I remember I had quite a, a good, a, like a very good career at that point. And I, I had grand ideas. Um, I remember even being pregnant and at work thinking, yep, I'm gonna come back to work and I'm gonna work from home and I'm gonna make it work between the two. Yeah. And I remember, I'll never forget, he was, my oldest was um, six months old, mm -hmm. walked in and just cried all over my boss and said, I think I just need to be at home. I, I actually can't walk away from this. You know, mm -hmm. I was really enjoying it, you know, so. Yeah, so I cried all over him and, and ended up stepping away, knowing that the industry, working in that sort of IT, yeah. um, engineering kind of industry, it was going to move ahead. And if I didn't keep up, I was going to be left behind. But I made that decision and I made that choice. I thought, no, this is my focus right now. And, and I, don't, I don't regret it because I really loved doing that. Yeah. And I loved being at home. I was a very busy, very busy at home and we, you know, started up a play group with a group of mothers that I met. We, we established this play group and did all sorts of things. So we were busy mothers, but I did the odd contract for that company sort of yeah. from home. So I was still able to keep my, my foot in there a little bit. Um, but um, yeah, then, then when they were at school, I was like, well, I still kind of want to be available. Yeah. And so I was just trying to work out what do I want to do? You know, 
what's going to work for us all? And so I had a business from home, from home doing that it. allowed me to say, no, I'm really busy that day. I'm fully booked with appointments. I'm over here at my kids' swimming carnival, you know, kind of thing. So it allowed me flexibility. Also very difficult because you find yourself working through the night a lot of the time because oh, you're at course, home and all of those, you know, you know, yeah. Yeah, I know what that's mm. like. And I think this is mm. where we're trying to point to is that when, when we're talking to our clients or our patients or our customers and we're trying to, they're trying to, they want advice from us. Yeah. And we think, well, in the end, what we have to do is say, I don't know what's right for you. But the one thing that I do know is that if you always follow, I'm very big on what makes you smile. Mm. You know, you, for somebody, there's not ever any right or wrong. Mm. It's just what available information you have at the time. And it's okay to fuck it up. Like, you just go, oh, maybe that wasn't like, now, I mean, my biggest regret, regret would be, hey, I, I wish I'd spent more time with my kids. Like there are photos of me in my office on phone calls with the kids and the bouncers and the and Will would come in and I'd breastfeed a kid and then swoop him back out again. Mm. And I knew then that I wasn't happy doing that, but I felt that sense of I'm I've chosen my career. Like I'm doubling down on this. I've told everybody that I can do this and Will's at home and I'm gonna be the breadwinner when really I should have I should have tuned into that intuition and said, actually I might want to be a stay-at-home mom mm. or I might not want to be do this so I think that's really fucking fascinating mm. for me I'm going to move on as I said I just adore you two and <laughs> and I don't know if I've said that enough today but you say it again, <laughs> say it again. <laughs> I adore you <laughs> I adore you Jane so we'll just loop that repeat the whole works but um you know obviously we spoke about the snap down, but you kind of already had a bit of a plan around that as well. But look, right now I'm totally obsessed with the both of you two, but I want to know what do you guys, like who do you listen to? You mentioned podcast, mm. Jane, before. Um, obviously the Intelligent Rep podcast is going to be on uh, Absolutely, yeah, on. that's right. Yeah. But <laughs> let's, start, let's start with you, Brooke. Who is somebody that's like just you're vibing with at the moment is like, yeah, rocking your world? Well, I guess two. Like if I'm specific to maybe a podcast, something that I've listened to twice through lockdown is Matthew McConaughey. Oh, yes. And I'll um, second that. Yeah. His book just is amazing fabulous. and yep. totally left field. Like I just mm -hmm. didn't, what I listened to, just I didn't think that that was his personal. Um, and can I just say, you have to listen yeah. to that book. You can't read it. Yeah. Uh, well, I've got the book to read, but you have to hear his voice him. as well. His like, voice is yes. amazing. Think about his voice, that right? Draw. So to hear him reading, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So twice through lockdown. Yeah, and twice also. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess um, probably, I know this is probably a little bit cliche, but probably my husband, to be honest, because I wouldn't be able to be here until nine o'clock like last night if it wasn't from my support network from him. So he works from home yep. with all three of my, our kids. Um, so that's a, a, a six-month, two-year-old and a four-year-old, mm. and they're only in daycare one day a week. Mm. So that's pretty awesome. So he's kind of my hero at the moment to allow me to... Do what I love, yeah. Look at your like googly eyes. Oh, I know. It's just, it's just. I love my job and I love what I get to do, and I wouldn't be able to do what I do without him. Well, that's that's what I find about people who, like yourself, you who seemingly have got their shit together, is that we have a team behind us yeah, that absolutely. makes our stuff happen. It's like I go out and I present this person to the world, and I was like, well. I don't cook my own dinner. 
the clothes I'm wearing is what Will has, you know, put in the laundry and folded up and hung up for me. Um, it, it, because again, it's the team thing and we, we liken it. I remember we sat down one time and I said to him, I feel like we're like a Formula One team, mm-hmm. right? And I'm pit crew mm-hmm. and you're the driver because you make our house, like you make this whole world work. And he's like, oh, I thought about it the other way. I thought I was the pit crew when you were the driver. Mm-hmm. And that just, it, probably what you have with your husband, it's like you, you're both striving so hard to be the best of you, but also to bring out the best in the, your, you know, your, the other person in your spouse. And I see that a lot with people who, Seemingly, I say seemingly because I don't have my shit together, but seemingly have their shit together as well. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> um, Jane, you're not allowed to say Matthew McConaughey. No, I can't. <laughs> so I, um, at the moment, I keep talking about it, so I'm listening to um, Ant Middleton. So he's the chief SAS, the chief instructor on the SAS, the Special Forces series that have just been Beard on TV. Life. Yeah, Beard and Brawny and, yep. yep, so Special Forces background and mm-hmm. they've just run those two, the two... TV series, um, listening to him read his book called Zero Negativity at the moment and that's really resonating, really enjoying listening to that one. So yeah, yeah. But I will listen to yeah a, a wide variety of things. And podcasts I tend to kind of jump around a little bit mm-hmm. and it's usually for an episode and that's how I got onto him. I found him on an episode of somebody else's podcast. Yeah. I love listening to... Um, trail runners so I, there's a few trail runners that I listen to there's one mm-hmm. a podcast called Dirt Church just listening to the inspiring stories yep. of um, what people do with their bodies and do with their minds and do great crazy endurance and sort of events of and in that. Yeah, have yeah. you watched the um the documentary called the Barkley Marathons no, but I know the Barclay, like it's, cr- what people do is crazy, like, and, but crazily inspiring, hey, like just, yeah. Mm. You have to watch the Barclay Marathons mm. documentary I'll because it actually it. talks about, obviously, the Barclay mm. Marathons. Brooke's like, what are yeah, you I'm talking fine. about? <laughs> the Barclay Marathons is basically like there's this random guy who took, takes out a map of, I think it's Tennessee, and he just plots like this 100 kilometer ultra running trail course. Yeah. So you have to try to orient your way back to the start. Yeah. All start finish, right? But the Okay, here's a fact check. The Barkley Marathons is one of the hardest races in the ultra running world. It was founded and created by a guy named Gary Lazarus Lake Cantrell. It is in fact a 100 mile race limited to a 60-hour period and takes place in late April, March or early April inside the Frozen Head State Park near Wartburg in Tennessee. Right. But the funniest thing that they do is they have this, this person called a sacrificial lamb. So people will apply to be a part of the, the marathon. They only take, you know, 40 people, whatever it is. And then they intentionally choose a sacrificial lamb yeah. and they say, we 100% know that there is no way they're going to get through this and they're going to be the first person out, either lost in the bush or dead. Okay. <laughs> it's next level, right? Yeah, totally next level. And it's like just really, really yeah. fun and really convoluted, but that's the, the mm-hmm. Barkley Marathon mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ask you guys a question. I'm going to just roll back. Is And I didn't give you the heads up on this question as well so what have you found most recently or even you know sort of as being the biggest problem that we have in the fitness industry at the moment what scares you the most about the the fitness industry 
and where it could be going, given that your ideals and your personalities and just the way that you live this world is just about caring for other people. So I'm going to say this, social media, yeah, yeah absolutely, and self-proclaimed fitness experts. <laughs> That's my absolute bugbear. So someone who, you know, think, thinks they have something to sort of um, to offer but really have no experience, no, no history, no journey, no, all of that, just self, yes, yeah, so the self-proclaimed experts basically, okay. yeah, I think that they can be and doing it to gain followers, doing it to gain the likes, all of the things we were just talking about, mm -hmm. but have no, no actual expertise, that's the danger. And it, it's the perception, the body image, all of the things that come with that. I just think in society, um, particularly in our young, young, you know, young sort of teenagers, young mm -hmm. girls, what they see, they're thinking it's reality, but it's not reality and it's false. And it's, it sets up expectations for so many mental health, physical abuse, all of those sorts of things that can, can stem from that. So, and, and I think where our messaging is always so internal, like it's not about what you look like or how, it's, it's about how this makes you feel and it's your mental health and mental wellbeing and what exercise can make you feel like when we come so much from our hearts in that messaging and then when it can be so superficial, I think that that is a huge danger to the Have either of you had any experiences of like personal experience of maybe, you don't have to name names, but like members or people where you've seen that danger manifest itself into somebody that you know? Have you actually seen that happen? Oh, constantly, <sighs> yes. Yeah. All the time, yeah. yeah. All the time. And it's yeah. about, it's like a big thing for us is like when people came back out of lockdown, everybody was just so consumed with, Oh, the COVID kilos, look at yeah, me. Yeah. Look, we're like, we're just happy to see your face. Yeah. Like, it, it's not about that weight loss and all that sort of stuff, but it's a byproduct. You know, if you're doing all the right things, you're training, you, you know, you're eating well, you've got that balance, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what the media and stuff portray, it's fake. Like, you know, you Photoshop, you've got all this mm -hmm. sort of stuff, and, you know, people making all these promises. Essentially, you know, my big thing is a money grab industries turn into money yes. like mm -hmm. it's so much more than that and that's what's really frustrating with me like you know they forget about the reason why like why are you here it's you sure you know people need to make money and whatnot but mm -hmm. don't you want to help the person that's in front of you mm -hmm. I like, talked about you know the whole social media and the perceptions and just the manipulation of minds mm -hmm. you talked about money where's the balance what, what are you guys doing to make sure that, yes, you're running a business. Like, if you guys close down, I'll be sad. You've got to make money because you've got to pay seat. How do you find the balance? Genuinely care. Like, I feel like the money will come if you've got, a, I guess, a product and a service that allows people to feel safe in an environment where they can actually reach their goals, their health and fitness goals. It's not, hey, you can do all this, we'll package this up for X amount of money, mm. whereas we haven't educated them, we've just taken money off them. It's just, yeah, I feel like the results will come if you educate, if you educate and empower mm. the member, mm -hmm. that sort of stuff comes. Yeah. Um, I just think the industry is just so flipped at the moment and I don't really see it getting any better. And I think too the other thing in that is it's 
we're in a society these days that's so quick fix, looking mm. for the... Where's that the, pill? Yeah, where's the, like, the magic? Where's we, we want it now, like we, we see that and we want that now. Yeah, right, so that's a huge issue as well. Um, so it's, it's about sort of showing um, the members it's a journey and this, yeah. is, this is forever. This is, you know, you might not be here forever, but what you're choosing to do, this is, this is forever. It's not a quick fix. And you can go, you know, weight loss surgery, you can have like, you can do this and get to here, but you miss all the steps along the way in the journey yeah. that you can but go on. Like and the, the collaboration too, like with healthcare right. practitioners, like right. why are you sending this person to get, um, yeah. you know, for example, their weight loss surgery when, they could easily have done that by manipulating their diet or having a bit of consistency and commitment. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Because have you the, tried the that? Have you exhausted fix. that? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think humans are inherently lazy. We yeah. will always find the quickest way to a goal. And unfortunately, even as an exercise professional, like I could write the most amazing program out there, but if I can't convince someone to convince themselves to do it, yeah. what's the point? Yeah. And that, yeah. that's, that's the hardest part. Mm. So I think one of my last questions here will be, Besides sidekicking people in the face, <laughs> what's something fun that you do that we haven't spoken about that's only like it's a guilty pleasure for you? Oh, that's easy. That's, that's easy. like Sunday, cheat day, ice cream day. <laughs> <laughs> Say that louder. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, guilty pleasures. I'm human. Every Sunday I go to Wendy's and the lady knows me by a flake shake. <laughs> I even Uber eaten that on a Sunday and supported the business. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, we're on a podcast and you can't yeah. see the, the inverted yeah. comments going on. So what was your order? Wendy's flake shake? A Where's flake, a flake shake? shake? Yeah. Brooke and her flake shake. Yeah. Extra large. Yeah. <laughs> Extra flakes. <laughs> and if they don't put enough on when I get home, I've got a spare flake in the fridge. <laughs> Too much. I'm a Twix fan. I like my flakes surrounded by more chocolate. Mm, <laughs> that's yeah. the most In a shake? Or no, oh, okay. I can't do shakes. Okay. It's like anything that should be solid should not, should <laughs> not, <laughs> At this point of the discussion, I actually got my twirls and my Twixes mixed up. So what I really meant was a twirl. Not a Twix. <laughs> well, I am rebellious. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that you are. How about you, Jane? What's your guilty pleasure? Come on. Do Does it, it have to be food related? It like, could be it, anything yeah. related. Oh, look, Friday night is always pizza night in our house. Mm -hmm. um, that's, you know, from, from a food perspective. So, yeah. Give, give us a plug on... I mean, do you make your own pizza or? No, no. Come on, give so your pizza lazy, place a yeah. plug. Oh, so Domino's. Just Domino's. <laughs> it's, it's really boring. It's so boring. So the, but the funny thing is that my, so my son does our ordering and, um, and he goes off to pick it up, but he always puts it under a different name. It's always a funny name. And he's the same kid walking in, like, and he's, you know, he's this tall, but he walks in every time, but he's, you know, professor this or doctor this or <laughs> King Nebuchadnezzar sort of ordering the pieces. That's King how, yeah. So just, you know, and I, I think these people, when he walks in to pick up the pieces, must be thinking, is his kid again, you know? <laughs> so Friday yeah, night, yeah, yeah. Pizza Friday night. night's always been pizza night in our house. Pineapple yeah. or no pineapple? Pineapple. Oh, Definitely high five. pineapple. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. definitely pineapple. Flake. Flake and a pizza. I'm all good. And um, hey, tell us 
where we can, like, if people want to connect with you guys and hook up with you guys, where can we find you? Just Probably 155. <laughs> <laughs> Always here. So just come in to 155. We often joke we've got a bed out the back there, yeah. you know, we sleep. No. Do you really? Yeah. That would be, that'd be cool. If it you would be cool. Yeah, yeah, especially lately. Yeah. <laughs> just a lot mattress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or just the floor. Yeah. Just the floor. Yeah. No, so social media, and actually we're having a laugh. So social media, I'm on Instagram. That's ironic. Yeah, yeah right. So, <laughs> Jay, <laughs> on Instagram, but you get very little of me. So, um, but my, on Instagram, when I say me, you get all of my adventures up in the mountains. But it's my stories always in the hashtags. It's a nice quote and it's a beautiful photo. But always read my hashtags because yeah. so my what, hashtags tell the story. What's your angle yeah, at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so at, it's really complicated, at uh, Jane Gallard. Yeah. Oh, super so complicated. My name, yeah, right. All right, yeah, we'll stick all of the show notes yeah, anyway. Yeah, so, How about you, Brookie? Do you want to be found or not? Well, I don't even know how to hashtag, so mine's just a photo <laughs> up on there every now and then. Um, yeah, mine's just um, Archibald Brook. <laughs> but you'll, you'll find Brook lying on the yeah. floor and yeah. Archibald's in the back here yeah. of the gym. Pretty much. Man, mm. thank, hey, ladies, thank you so much for coming on. It's been, I hope that wasn't as scary as you thought it no, was going no, to be. Um, yeah, thanks again, Brooke and Jane. So um, see you later. See you thank later. You. Thank Bye. you. The Intelligent Rebellion podcast is a Three Sticks production. It is produced, written, and hosted by me, Ria Mikado. Will is the emperor of sound, mixing, and editing, and is a talent behind all our original music. This episode is dedicated to all those people standing in the back row in a Les Mills class.